discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Welcome to Six Nights of Grace. just going to be sharing on the grace of God and what the grace of God has accomplished for us okay hallelujah do you like such things you know but um, for a while I think since the year began I've shared a lot of things with you and I've not given the opportunity to ask questions you know I don't know if you noticed the last time I preached on a Sunday I thought I was going to allow you to ask questions but it didn't happen isn't it? Yeah, so I'm giving the opportunity to ask a lot of questions tonight. Then from next week Wednesday, I'll start diving into grace. I'll use four nights to talk about grace extensively. Then I'll allow you to ask your questions on the last night and I'll pray. I'll do an impartation service on the last night. Okay? Beautiful. Some of you have not had any spiritual impartation since you came to church. But we have such things in the church too. So we'll have so the last night is gonna be an impartation service, special impartation service. Okay? I'm gonna lay hands on everybody. If there are hundred thousand people, I'll lay hands on everybody. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so over to you. The court is in your ball, or the ball is in your court. Whichever one you want. There's a court somewhere, and there's a ball somewhere. Isn't it? Yeah. Thank you very much, Pastor. My question is concerning um, destiny helpers. Sorry? Destiny helpers. Who are this? Where do you find them? Um, this is something I've, I've known for the years that um, there are some points in time where God can make you meet some people who are going to help you, like elevate you in a certain way. Yeah, that is what I mean by that. So I don't know, but that is what I've known. Um, so my question is, can, can you meet, can the devil also arrange someone to come your way who might seemingly be taking you to a certain direction which will seem uh, very great? Can the devil really do that? Or it always comes from God? So when, you, when you said destiny helpers, that's why I asked you, what is that? <laughs> a friend of mine has written a book with that title. Very powerful book, actually. So I was wondering whether that was the book you had read. There are people who are arranged on your path. Okay? Who are there for various reasons. There are people whom you have been sent to. And there are people who have been sent to you. Okay? If you read in uh, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, which one do you think we should start with? 
Do you like Romans chapter 8 or you like Ephesians chapter 2? Let's do Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Let's do Ephesians 2 10. Then it comes Romans chapter 8. What do you think? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's read the Amplified of this. Okay. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that when we do those good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Have you seen it? There are paths that God has prepared ahead of time. Okay? That we should walk in them. Then it says, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. So as far as the scriptures are concerned, this is what God has done. And it is in Christ. For we as workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works. So as long as you are in Christ, there are good works that God has created for you. They are beautiful. There's a beautiful life. It says living the good life. There's a good life which he has prearranged for you. Now that good life includes human beings. Do you understand? Huh. I'm yet to see in the Bible where he says that there are people that he has set on your path. Okay? Hmm. Let me explain it this way. Generally speaking, God has ordained you for, for the good life. And there are people who are whom he has prepared for you to meet as you go. Okay? For instance, um, if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter um, chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Have you seen it? So, God gives every man a minister by whom he shall believe. Do you see? There are some things that you need to believe for certain good things to happen in your life. And there are people that God has destined, predestined for you to meet, to help you believe those things. How do you get it? Uh -huh. So as far as the scriptures are concerned, there are ministers that he has assigned to you that you must meet for them to help you to go forward in life. Okay? There are ministries that he has designed for you to meet. How do you get it? But as to specific individuals that God has decided that this one is the one who's supposed to make sure you drive a, a Rolls Royce Phantom. This is the one, that one, we don't see it in the Bible, really. If you read in Acts chapter 8, we see God arranging for the Ethiopian Enoch to meet Philip for his destiny in Christ to be fulfilled. That's what we see. In, in Acts chapter 10, you see um, Cornelius and Peter, God arranging for Peter to meet Cornelius to help him in his destiny in Christ. Who? Paul and Ananias. Yeah, Paul and Ananias, for instance. You know the Ananias he's talking about? Acts chapter 9. After Paul had met the Lord and Paul fell off his horse and all of that. God, Jesus appeared to Ananias and sent Ananias to Paul to go and explain to him 
what had happened to him and to lay hands on him for him to receive the Holy Ghost. So we see human beings that God sent to do various things in people's lives. But as to bringing you, in, I don't know about that one. Whoever says anything may bring some things from the Old Testament. Okay? And the Old Testament is also written for us, for our learning. For instance, Apollos and uh, Priscilla and Achaia in Acts chapter 18. All these things I'm seeing are in the Bible. You see, I always mention the scripture and I'll, I'll show you. Uh-huh. It's a long read. That's why I'm not making us read. In Acts chapter 18, we see Priscilla and Aquila catching Apollos. Apollos was into the word, but he was... He didn't really know the way of the Lord. So they caught him and explained the way of Jesus Christ to him. So that he could explain the word of God better. So they made his ministry correct. Even Paul referred to him. Paul said, I planted Apollos water. When it comes to the Corinthian church, Apollos was so involved with them. Do you get it? And some of them were saying all kinds of things. I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollos. I'm for Cephas. Another one says, I'm for Christ. The worst of them all is the one who said, I'm for Christ. I mean, anyway, so... Um, as far as the scriptures are concerned, I don't, I don't know if there's something I'm missing, but this is what is coming to me so far. Okay? As far as the scriptures are concerned, there are people who are called by God to help you achieve God's purposes in your life. And God's purposes are good. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They are what? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, say the Lord. Thoughts of peace. So God brings people who lead you into God's will, which is peace. Then it says, and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Some versions say, a hope and a future, isn't it? Uh-huh. So he brings you into a glorious life, a glorious, beautiful life. As far as God is concerned, that's it. God has predestinated your life to end up in a certain way. And there are people that he has called to help you at various points with the word of God. Not, I don't know what else, but with the word of God to bring you to your expected end. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So, if there are any destiny helpers, then those destiny helpers are called by God to help bring the word of God, bring the word of God to you and help you understand the word of God properly. Okay? Now, if we go into the Old Testament, people can bring things up. For instance... Ruth and Naomi. You know Ruth and Naomi in the Bible. Have you read your Bible before? <laughs> Ruth and Naomi. Naomi was married. He moved out of Jerusalem into Moab. He lo- she lost her husband and lost her two sons, okay, who were married to some beautiful young ladies. One of them was called uh, Ruth and the other was called what? Opa. Both of their husbands died. It was left with Naomi, Ruth, and then Opa. Do you see? And then Opa, Naomi decided to go back to her hometown. And Opa said she was not going to go with her. She was going to go back to her hometown. But Ruth decided to go with Naomi. When they went together, when she went together with Naomi, back to Israel, Ruth met Boaz, who changed everything about Ruth's life and about Naomi's life. It's called the mystery of the kinsman redeemer. So during those times in the, old, in the Old Testament, if your husband passes on and you've lost everything, your, the, your, your, one of your husband's kinsmen, his family members, can decide to marry you and bear the costs that is related to the death and the cost that your husband had and everything. 
and gets you to her as her, his wife. Do you get it? Uh-huh. And that's what Boaz did. There's a nesting in line to whoever it is that is in reference. So then the one who was next in line to Elimelech refused to do his kinsman redeemer duties. So Boaz decided to do it. And the sign that you are going to do is to remove your shoe. <laughs> so he removed the shoe and did it. So he took Ruth and everything, you know, and paid everything. It's actually, Boaz is a type of Christ. And Ruth is a type of the church. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. So he did, he did all of that for, for them, for her to be happy and become wealthy once again. So you can say that Boaz was a destiny helper to Ruth and to Naomi. Do you get it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Some people also mention Joseph and how he went. But if you notice, all this is God who is arranging it. It doesn't have much to do with the people. Hallelujah. If you look at Joseph's case, for instance, Joseph was sold by his brothers. His bro- Joseph, Joseph, first of all, was put into a pit by his brothers. Then he was sold into slavery. And then he ended up in Potiphar's house. Then he was uh, accused wrongly of doing something he had not done. And he was put into prison. Isn't it? Now, whilst he was in prison, he met two people. Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's uh, cup bearer. Okay? And he prophesied, he, they had a dream, explained it to, they mentioned it to him, and he explained the dream to them. To the end that the baker was going to die. They were all going to be released, but the baker was going to die, going to be hanged, and the cup bearer is going to be restored back to his duties. And the cabbell was restored back to his duties. And he told him that when you go, remember me. But the guy did not remember him for two full years. He did not remember him for two full years. After two full years, Pharaoh had a dream, which he did not understand. And then the cabbell remembered that, oh, there was this guy in the prison called Joseph who explained that dream. Maybe he can explain it this time around. Pharaoh said, bring him. And that same day, the guy's life was changed forever. So you can see that. The cab bearer was a destiny helper to Joseph. But have you seen that all... It's not really... I don't know if you get it. So, for instance, because of what you believe, that's why you're asking the question you're asking. Do you get it? That can, can Satan also bring someone who... Anti, that's what an anti-destiny helper. <laughs> One who would lie to you and do some things and all of that and bring you... What do you say? Not in the line of ministry, but other good things. Anything that is leading you away from God is not good. <laughs> you just just have that kind of understanding. You will be free. Uh-huh. Anything that does not have God inside is not good. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not good for you. If you are marrying a guy, if a lady comes to you and she's not into God, she's not into Christ, she's not, and she's good, she has money, she has everything. Okay, you are, you are better off finding your way. I tell you, money ends everything. Yeah. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. If you have somebody bring you, taking you to, uh, listen, I have, friend, I have a friend there. He's worked for a multinational company. He's traveled, that, he's traveled to at least 75 countries in this world. He's tired. He has come back home. He says he won't go again. What you are looking for, he has gone. Uh, he has come back. Can you imagine he resigned from a job that pays more than $30,000 every month? He resigned. He's even my junior. He's two years my junior. Yeah. 
I was working with Google and working with this one. I mean, all the things that every young black Ghanaian is looking for. He got. Yeah. Right? He has come back home. He says he's tired. He says his life is at risk. He sits in plane too much. He may die in there. He's afraid. Can you imagine? So, and he, he was really into ministry power. That took him away completely. Completely. It's very good opportunity. It took him away completely. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. So, try your best to always follow the will of God for your life. It is not every good opportunity that is from God. Have you heard this statement before? All that glitters is not good. Have you heard it before? Where did you hear it from? From storybooks. Uh-huh. It is someone's wisdom that he has penned down. Yeah, it, it's, it has a certain truism to it. Okay? Solomon said, I built me gardens. If you want to enjoy, contact Solomon. Solomon enjoyed more than anybody in this world. Solomon, he, he said, I built me gardens. I built me uh, swimming pools. I built me vineyards. I, I had women. I was just reading about him before I came even. First Kings chapter 11 verse, from verse 1. He had, he, he had so many wives that his wives led him astray. I got a text of a question. That what, what, uh, someone who says that uh, he says that uh, uh, Fornication is not a problem. It's not a problem for him because Solomon is his inspiration. <laughs> Maybe I should read the, the question. Solomon is his father in the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you surprised? Okay, so this is the question. He says, how do you talk to someone who has convinced himself that sexual immorality is not a bad thing because of the fact that Solomon had a lot of wives and concubines? I saying it. Uh-huh. So that was the answer I gave him. You should find out how Solomon ended up. First Kings chapter 11. Let's read it. First Kings chapter 11. You'll see it. Yeah. Solomon's multitude of wives led him astray. Can you imagine that all those who have gone to heaven eh, and have had the visions of heaven and come back? Never spoke of Solomon. Nobody has come back to talk about Solomon. Not even one person. Nobody has come back. If you like, find out. Nobody has come to talk about Solomon. Rick Joyner wrote a book. And he said that when he, made, when he met David, David was looking for Solomon in heaven. <laughs> he was looking for Saul and for Solomon. He couldn't find Saul. He couldn't find Solomon. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites... Ammonites, Edomites, he was a multitude, a multiple. He wants ever United, United States of Wives, USW. Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. These are people God didn't like at all. Next verse. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into, into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn your heart out after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Is this the problem? They will turn your heart away after God from God. But Solomon clave himself unto them in love. He was in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. But his wives turned his heart. Turned his heart. Turned away his heart. They turned away. 700 wives. These are the, these are the official wives. Every occultic book has Solomon inside. Have you, have you noticed? All the occultic books that you can... Solomon got into all kinds of things. 
Yeah, and he didn't die well. Actually, God told him he doesn't want to see him again. The last vision he had of God was God telling him that I don't want to see you again. And that I'm ripping the kingdom off you. Yeah, you see it in there. And he had seven. Next verse. Verse 4. For it came to pass so when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord. And his God, uh, the Lord is God. As was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Have you seen it? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And went not fully after the Lord, as David his father. As David his father. Next verse. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jehovah. He was building gods. He was into all kinds of things. And for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he also for all his strange wives, all his strange, so 700, everybody, 700 gods, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So at every corner, they are doing something terrible there. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. God appeared unto him twice. And he turned his heart from, like, go to next verse, verse 11. And had commanded him, Concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Straight instruction, he decided that he would not mind. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend from thee, rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Yeah, so this was how he ended. This was the last time God appeared. Next verse. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for the day, for David's David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Yeah. Then it goes on and goes on. And if you go on, you realize that God raised enemies against Solomon. God was against Solomon until he died. So it's not everything that is nice and everything that is whatever that is good. Solomon enjoyed. I just mentioned Solomon to let you know how much he enjoyed. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Um, you just read it, right? Solomon had all kinds of nice things. Um, if Ecclesiastes chapter 4, from verse 1, I think. Solomon is the one who said, who can eat as much as me? Solomon said, you cannot eat like me. He, could, he knew how to enjoy. <laughs> wow. So it's not every, it's not just enjoyment, having a big house. What is big house? What is big car? You've seen the spice and arranging car, so right now it's like, hey, ah, Charlie, let's be serious. No, 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 let's be serious. What is car? Do you know the amazing thing about cars? When you're driving the car, you are inside the car, and you can't see outside the car. And most of the beauty is outside the car, the lights and how it's, you can't see it drive. Even the inside, you can't even see it much. You just be looking forward. You be looking at the portals, and depending on the type of car, when you step on the accelerator, you check the fuel gauge because maybe it's taking all your fuel. Cars are good, but Charlie, they are just tools to an end. Okay, yeah. So, allow just pray. This prayer should be your prayer. Okay, Colossians chapter four. Verse 12. Do you think God is important in your life? That's all that you need. I don't know if Pastor Ivan wants to add something to it. 
He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted the always living family for you in prayers. This is prayer topic. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Stand perfect and complete in what? In all the will of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, that is the prayer you should pray for yourself. That you stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. It's not everything that looks nice. My father and the Lord refused something very powerful. Yeah. Because when the thing came and he prayed about it, God said no. And he said no. What will you do? You will say, God, it is you. I, 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 I promise you it is you. I rebuke that voice. <laughs> is it? So what, which one will you call it? Is this one a destiny helper or something else? So be wise, be smart, okay? Be led by the Spirit. Allow yourself to be led by the Spirit. There are a lot of good and nice things that are actually not from God. Mm-hmm. So all you need to ask, don't ask whether this one is a destiny helper or this one is an anti-destiny helper. Don't ask that question. Find out if it's in the will of God. If you use that one as your benchmark, you make a lot of mistakes. Huh. Use God as your benchmark. God and his word as your benchmark. Okay? I think that's a good answer. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit as your benchmark. Okay? If it's not from God, I don't want it. Bishop Poedipo said, he has a certain principle he lives by. Wherever God cannot take me, may I never get there. <laughs> Wherever God cannot take me, may I know what? never what? Who God, whoever God cannot make me meet, may I never meet. Yeah. If God cannot take me there, I don't want to go there. As simple as that. And you will be very fine. Your life will go higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. What do you think about what I'm saying? Yeah. Solomon built all kinds of things. Do you know how at the end of Solomon's life, do you know what he said? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 12, 11. Now, I said that Solomon enjoyed. He enjoyed plenty nice 12, 13 rather. Let's read, let's read from verse 12. It's nice from verse 12. I think you will like it. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let's use other versions. I think they don't understand. I don't know if you have another version. But going, but, but about going further than the words given by one shepherd, my son, be one of making many books. There is no end. So do not believe everything you read. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Much study. <laughs> it's a weariness of the flesh. Hallelujah. So when you learn, then you relax more, okay? Next verse. <laughs> He's not saying don't don't read at all. Uh-huh. That's not what he says. Moderation is the order of the day. Can you read this one to me? Verse 13. One to go. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Finish. Fear God and keep his, his commandments. Okay? Yeah, you can live lavishly and whatever. It's powerful. There's nothing wrong. Actually, God has designed for you to, to stay in, in wealth. Haven't you read it before? Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, isn't it? 
that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be rich. This is what Jesus said. This was is written about Jesus. Third John two. I wish above all things that you what that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's the truth. So God wants you to prosper. Say God wants me to prosper. God wants, prosper. God wants me to stay in health. No cancer, no diabetes, no hypertension, no strange thing in my body. Yeah, that's what God wants for you. That's the truth. And you must make sure you enjoy God's blessings for your life. You must make sure of it. How? Through study of the word, through meditation of the word, through prayer, through putting your faith to work, through confessions. How do you get it? Uh-huh. You must make sure it's actually your responsibility. Enjoying God's promises, God's word, God's grace is your responsibility. It depends on you. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There are some Christians who are not willing. You don't like good things. Whenever we mention, for instance, when you saw Despite's son arranging the cast, we were criticizing him. Do you get it? You were criticizing him. And uh, you have stolen Ghana's money. You have done this. They have done this and they have done that. They are Christians who will criticize. Yeah. If you want to be rich, don't criticize rich people. Yeah. One rich guy bought a golden shirt in India. He bought a golden shirt. The whole shirt is made up of gold. Wow. For $250,000. One shirt. People were criticizing him. Talking and talking and talking. It is his money. Is it your money? <laughs> it is his money. And he decides, you when you get your money, does someone decide what you do with your money? <laughs> ah, so what is your problem? <laughs> it is his money. And he decides what to do with it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he says, if you are willing, if you are willing, oh, Charlie, you will enjoy. Are you willing? Yeah. Ask your neighbor, are you willing? Yeah. Do you like money? Liking money is different from loving money. <laughs> I didn't say, Do you love money? I, I asked, Do you like money? Ask your neighbor, Do you like money? You like money? Yeah, that's why everybody is doing what they are doing. Everybody likes money, it is inherent. It is inside every human being to like money. But there are some people who want to suppress it. You get it? They don't want to. It's like, we don't want to. We don't want to really. If you have gotten some, would have seen what you do. <laughs> huh? So don't don't get into that gear of thinking too much. Okay, allow yourself to walk in the will of God. That is what, after all is said and done, that is what will count. You understand? Uh-huh. After all is said and done, that's what will count. So it's not. Paul said, "They that will be rich will pierce themselves." Let me let me show it to you. First Timothy chapter six, from verse seventeen. Before you ask your question, okay. First Timothy 6, 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. Let you amplify. Maybe to be nicer. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others. Not to set their hopes on uncertain riches. This is a problem. When you set your hopes on uncertain riches. And there's a great example in the Bible. Okay. 
Asa, King Asa. King Asa became very rich, very great. Earlier on in his life, when he needed help, he contacted God. The second time when he needed help, he was sick in his feet. He needed help. He went to the doctors. He just went to the doctors and was he was using his money to try to make himself well. And he died of that particular disease. God said, the first time he came to me, now you will not come to me because you have money. Okay. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So he says, charge them so that they do not set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God. Have you seen it? Don't make money your God. And money's competition in your life, or God's competition in your life, is money. There are two masters you can serve. Nobody serves the devil directly. Nobody is really interested, actually. It takes a lot for you to say that, this is the devil, I love the devil. I mean, it's not easy. Even all those people who go into it's the money that makes them go into all those things. Uh -huh. And Mammon's boss is the devil. Do you get it? Uh -huh. So you can either serve God or you serve Mammon. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate this one, the one, and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. God's main challenger in your life is money. Wow. Yeah. Because of money, people don't go to church. Because of tithes, people don't go to church. Everything is money. It's always money. It has never been about anything. It's always money. Always. Am I lying? Oh. And the church is taking too much money from the people. Church is really... Some people come to... Listen, some people, come to, some people leave churches because they give offering. They give tithe. They give offering. They give tithe. They give offering. Partnership. They do this. They do this. Then maybe a funeral, their father dies. And we're expecting the church to bring 20,000 Ghana cities. But the church brought 2,000 Ghana cities. What kind of church is this that when your father or father even dies, they don't do anything for you? I'm gone. Ship, ship delete. Were you doing susu in the church? Were you doing savings and loans in the church? Were you giving it to God or you were doing, you were doing men's good things? It doesn't make any sense. So you have people criticizing and doing all kinds. Oh, it's always because of money. It's always because of money. Oh, always. 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 So you have to be careful, okay? Go back to First Timothy chapter six. What we're reading. Then you ask the next question, okay? Who richly says they should not trust in? They should not put their hopes on on certain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides for us, provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Have you seen it? Next verse. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good works. If you're a rich man, you can do good. You can be rich in good works. To be liberal and generous of heart. Ready to share with others. Wow. Ready to share with others. Next verse. In this way, laying up for themselves the riches that endure forever as a good foundation for the future so that they may grasp what they may grasp that which is life indeed. So money is, you see, even though money is against God, it is one of the major tools for making yourself rich. Towards God. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Money, money transcends, goes beyond this earth. If you help somebody with your money, what you did goes beyond what you did for the person here on earth. It goes into heaven. Can you imagine? Yeah. That is why money would not want you to serve God. 
Because he knows what you can use it for. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Hebrews 13, 2. Be not forgetful to entertain. Let's read 3. Verse 3, rather. Sorry. Hebrews 13, 3. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Have you seen it? It says, remember those who are, who are bound, as bound with them. Meaning that you must remember prisoners. You must give to people who are in prison. People who are suffering in body. People in the hospitals. People here. I mean, if you don't have money, will you be able to remember such people? These scriptures will never apply to you. <laughs> you never see it. You never see it. You always jump over it. What are you remembering them for? You now you can't. You've, you've not finished serving yourself. How can you remember them? How do you get it? Yeah. So you have to be smart. Okay. It is not all that glitters that is gold. Some may lead you astray. So be careful. Okay. Any other question? Where's the next question coming from? Yes. Amen. Um, I wanted to ask if um, the Holy Spirit only um, convicts us of um, righteousness. Or it also commits us of sin. The Holy Spirit is an it. It's a he. He's a he. So say okay, he. Sorry, sorry. Or he commits us of holy sin, then righteousness or sin. Secondly, um, when righteousness you read, or sin or holy righteousness or uh, holy sin. Okay. Secondly, when you read um, John sixteen verse nine, it talks about the Holy Spirit um, converting us of sin. Because uh, we did not believe. And I wanted to ask, before the Holy Spirit will come unto us, we have to believe first. So how is it possible that he will convict us when we do not believe? Okay, so you need to listen to all the series properly. Because um, this scripture is not in reference to Christians. It's in reference to the world. Verse 8 is, okay, go to verse 8. And when he's come, he will reprove the world. He will convict the world, not Christians. The world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit with the believer. This is the, his ministry with you towards the world. He has a ministry towards you. And he has a ministry with you to the world. Okay? His ministry towards you is what we call the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And his ministry to the world is the partnership of the Holy Spirit with you to the world. Do you get it? So from verse 7, he says that, nevertheless, it is expedient. I tell you the truth, it is expedient. Jesus is the one talking. He says, it is advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. He was talking to disciples. He will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes to you, he will convict the world, not you. He will convict the world. And when he's come, he will prove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Then he says, of sin because... They believe not on me. He will, con- he will convict the world of sin. Why? Because they don't believe in me. Why, why, why is it like that? Why is sin related to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus came to take away sin. Original sin. As is found in Adam. Do you get it? There's only one sin in the world. It's a sin that Adam committed. That's the seed of sin. And the seed of sin is what brings forth the fruits of sins that you see lying, cheating, uh, what stealing, adultery, fornication, all the things that you can think about. All those things come out from the seed of sin. There are two types of sins. The seed of sin and the fruits of sin. 
Do you get it? The seed of sin is also referred to as a sin that leaded unto death. And the fruit of sin is also referred to as a, the sin that does not lead unto death. That's found in 1 John chapter 5, verse what, 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Then he says, there's a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. The sin that is unto death, you cannot pray for somebody for it. The only way for that sin to be taken away is by believing in Jesus Christ. Next verse. Verse 6, verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin, and there's a sin not unto death. I say again. So people don't go to hell because they stole $100 million or whatever. Or they fornicated or committed adultery or lied or what do you, what else do you have? What are the sins that you have? Or scammed or did whatever. People don't go to hell because of that. People go to hell because of the nature of sin that is in them. That makes them do those things. Do you get it? And the way to do, God is interested in dealing with the nature of sin, not the fruits. If you want to cut, if you want to destroy mango fruits, what do you need to do? Just cut the tree, uproot the tree away. If you uproot the tree, the fruit's gone. The fruit is gone. So God is, was interested in the seed and the tree of sin, which is what Adam did. For all, have, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. How did all sin? All sin because of Adam, because all were in Adam. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 14, look at Romans 5, 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of of Adam's transgression, which is the figure of him that was to come. Jump to, I don't know if you get it, jump to verse uh, 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, by one man's offense, who is that one man? Adam. Go to verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who is that one man? Adam. Adam's disobedience made many sinners. Go back to verse 12. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Which sin is that? The sin of Adam. What Adam did. Okay? So Adam's disobedience was his sin, which led to death. Christ's obedience was his righteousness, which led to the righteousness of many, and life for many. Please, you get it? So the Holy Spirit comes into Christians to help them become witnesses. In Romans Acts chapter 1 verse 8 for instance, he says that but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. So the coming upon of the Holy Spirit is what makes you and empowers you to be a witness. Please, I hope you get it. So he makes you a witness. Witness of what? Witness of Jesus Christ. To testify concerning Jesus Christ. John fifteen twenty six. Look at John 15, 26. It says, but when the Comforter is come, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. He shall talk about me. He shall witness concerning me. Next verse. And ye also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is the chief witness. Do you get it? And as he witnesses, he convicts the world of sin. What sin? The sin of not believing in Jesus Christ. How do you get it? Even Adam's sin has been dealt away with. Him. The sin that is now in place now is the sin of not obeying Jesus, not believing in Jesus Christ, rejecting Jesus Christ. 
I don't know if you get it. Why do people go to hell? People go to hell because they've rejected Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Next verse. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. What condemn is to judge, to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Next verse, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth on Jesus Christ is not condemned. He is not judged. But he that believeth not, believeth not on who? On who? On who? On Jesus Christ is condemned already, is judged already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I see why people go to jail. People go to hell. People go to hell because they don't believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That's all. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. So Jesus said that he shall convict the world of sin. Why? Because they believe not on me. I see it. Then he says, and of righteousness, he shall convict the world of righteousness. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world, not Christians, the world of sin. He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and then of judgment. He lets them know judgment is coming. Then he says, of righteousness because I go to my father and he see me no more. Why did Jesus say this? He says, I go to my father and you see me no more. Jesus' death, he was raised on account of our justification. Jesus' death was as a result of our punishment. Romans chapter 4 verse 25. Look at Romans 4 25. He was given. He was given over. Who was delivered? Jesus was delivered for our offenses. He was delivered on account of our offenses. On account of our wrongs. On account of our sin. Do you get it? So his death, he died because of sin. Our sin is what killed him. Do you get it? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he was made sin who knew no sin. Jesus was made sin who knew no sin. And the sin is what killed him. Jesus could never have died. If the sins of humanity was not put in him, he would never have died. When Jesus hung on the cross, it was not just a physical thing. There was something great that was happening spiritually. The sins of the whole world was placed in him and placed on him. Are you here? For he was made sin. He was made, for he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? He made him sin for us. Who knew no sin? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. Next verse. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Next verse. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. Next verse. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your, you are yet in your, so if he didn't come out of the graves, then it means that our sins, the punishment for our sins was not complete. I don't know if you get it. So our, the laying on of our sins upon him is what killed him. And his resurrection is the testimony of our righteousness. So, um, Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says it again. It says, who was delivered on account of our offenses? Then it says, and was raised again 
for our justification. The actual rendering is this. He was raised again on account of our justification. He was raised again when we were declared righteous. When all sin was paid for. And all the punishment of sin was paid for. Then he was raised from the dead. I think the Amplified says that. It says, who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds. And was raised to secure our justification, our, our justification, our acquittal. Making our account balance. And absorbing us from all guilt before God. So the fact that Christ raised on the dead was raised on the dead is a testament and a show that we have been forgiven and that now we are the righteousness of God. So he says, you convict the world of righteousness. Why? Because I'm with the Father and you see me no more. I say it. Then he speaks about judgment. Then he says, because the prince of this world is already judged. Please you understand? So that has nothing to do with Christians. If you're a Christian, you are, your sin has been taken away. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus was made sin so that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now you are the righteousness of God. You are the rightness of God in Christ. By virtue of what Jesus did. You didn't need to do anything. All you needed to do was to believe in Jesus. Have you believed in Jesus? If you have believed in Jesus, then this righteousness is yours. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For by the deeds, for therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. The word justified means to declare not guilty in his sight, in the sight of God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. He says the law of commandments cannot make anybody right before God. Because by the time you are keeping, thou shalt not steal. You are breaking, do not, uh, uh, do not do it. Do not fornicate. By the time you are keeping, do not fornicate. You are breaking, thou shalt not covet. You have coveted. <laughs> By the time you are keeping, thou shalt not covet. You are breaking, thou shalt honor your mother and father. <laughs> so nobody can keep. And the law was not just 10. It was 610. There were oral laws. There were laws that were passed orally. Read uh, the book of Exodus and Leviticus, you see them there. There were laws that Moses spoke, spoke, but was not written. Then there are customary laws. One of the customary laws is that you can't just write God's name if you are writing. You just can't write God, G-O-D. Or like they, they spelt it in the Old Testament. Yod he vav he Y-H-V-H. They call it the tetragrammaton. You can't just write it. If you write the Y, before you write the Y, you have to go and take a shower. And come and write Y. After you write the Y, then you go and take another shower. And come and write the H. After you write the H, you go and take another shower. Then come and write V. Another shower. Then H. Ah! Then you continue your letter. Pray that God does not come inside again. If God comes inside, you have to keep. If you don't keep those ones too, you have sinned. If you are going to type, oh my God. <laughs> You are in trouble. So Paul was saying that there's no way. There's no way. Don't even try it. Therefore, by the deeds, by the doings of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. For by the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. If we tell you, thou shalt not steal, we have told you there's something called stealing. So Paul said, I was alive without the law once. But then the law came. Came alive. And then the law slew me, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The law is what sparks sin in people. If you don't know that this is wrong, you do it easily, isn't it? The problem is that you think this one is wrong. 
When you think this one is wrong, then you are going to be in trouble. Your conscience will accuse you or excuse you. Wow. Next verse. So it says, but now, the righteousness of God without the law. There's a righteousness of God that is without the law. There's a righteousness that is of the law. If you keep the law, you get the righteousness that is of the law. He says, nobody could get that righteousness. But now, the righteousness that is of God, now the righteousness of God, without the law, it has nothing to do with the law, is manifested. Then he says, this righteousness has been witnessed by the law. It has been spoken of. Okay? It has been spoken of by the law and the prophets. In other words, all of the Old Testament spoke about this particular righteousness of God, which was going to come. All of them penned them down and said that, ah, there's a righteousness of God that is going to come one day. The Lord spoke about it. The prophets of old spoke about it. Both the major and the minor prophets, like they call them. Okay? Next verse. Then it says, even the righteousness of God, which is by, which is by faith. Of who? Of Jesus Christ. So as soon as you believe in Jesus Christ, this righteousness is accounted to you. You have made the righteousness of God. This is even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all, and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. There's no difference between who? Between the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile. The whole world before Jesus came was divided into two. Jews, it was either you were Jew or you were Gentile. It was either you were born by Abraham. Okay? If you are born outside of Abraham's house, you are not a Jew. And if you are born outside of Abraham's house, you were a Gentile. All Ghanaians are Gentiles. Stop saying that you were a Ghan and that all Ghans are from Israel. Please stop lying to yourself, okay? Yeah, I met an older Ghan man who had documents to prove. And he has believed that all of his life. Yes. How does that change anything today? So Paul says that there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Because the, the Jews were the ones who were trying to keep the law. They couldn't keep it. It didn't work. They broke it into many pieces. The first time the law came, they broke it into pieces. When God was, when Moses was telling them about the, about the curses, they said amen to every curse. When Moses says, you will never prosper if you don't keep the law, they said amen. You will never go forward if you don't keep the law. Amen. When the blessings was coming, they couldn't say amen. Because as the blessings was coming, they knew what was attached to the blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1. Look at Deuteronomy 28 1. When they saw it, they were like, no. This one, we know we'll feed one. Look at it. It says, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently, if we shall listen diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, not some, all his commandments, which I commanded this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And he goes on and on and on. They didn't say amen here at all. Because this was the clause. If you do everything that the Lord your God commands you, they knew they couldn't do it. So when he was confessing the mentioning the blessing, they were just quiet. But check chapter chapter 27, verse 11. Look at 27 11. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when he had come over Jordan. Simeon and Levi and Judah. Next verse. Let's go to the place where they started cursing. 
Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of, of the craftsman, and put it in a secret place. And all the people shall say, shall answer and say, they said amen to it. Cursed be he that certain light by his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, they all said amen. Everybody said amen. When it came to the blessings, nobody said amen. Because they knew that this one, they would do it. They would do this one. But, and their whole life showed. This was what they did. Cares be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all people shall say, Amen. Next day. Cares be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. And all the people shall say, Amen. <laughs> Cares be he that prevented the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. They said Amen to every curse, I tell you. Because they knew what was in them. So, Paul in the New Testament says that nobody shall, keep, shall be able to keep the law. But now the righteousness of God has come. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, all you need is to receive Jesus Christ, the Lord and personal Savior. That's all. Which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And it says, it is upon all, this righteousness is upon all, and for all them that believe. Why? Because all have sinned. Next verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So don't be quoting this prayer in your don't be quoting this in your prayer. As a Christian, when you stand to pray, they say when we, when we are starting to pray, we should confess our sins. So you start. Father, you have written your word that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> Brother, it is not for Christians. This one is also not for Christians. Are you surprised? I'm surprised that you are surprised. <laughs> no, read your Bible. You didn't, you never read. They just said it and you took it. You never read it. Have you seen where it's coming from? The next verse changes everything. You see, verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Why? For there is no difference between all of them. Who are the all of them? Greek or Gentile and Jew. Why? Why is there no difference between all of them? Because all of them have sinned and they have fallen short of the glory of God. And because all of them have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the righteousness of God is for all of them that believe in Jesus Christ. Do you see? Next verse. Being justified freely by his grace. The grace of God is what justifies you or declares you not guilty. It says, being now that we are justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, we have redemption in Christ Jesus. We are not, we are not sinners. Say, I'm not, I'm not a sinner. When God looks at you, he's not seeing a sinner. You are the one who is seeing yourself as a sinner. That's why you keep doing foolish things. There's something called sin consciousness and righteousness consciousness. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think you are, you are Pono King Kong, you will be Pono King Kong. You watch Pono, you'll be tired. If you think you were a thief, you can be born again, and you are still thinking that you are a thief. So right thinking leads to right believing. Do you get it? Yeah. And right what? Yeah. And right manifestation. Right believing leads to right manifestation. You will see the right things happening in your life. So your thinking makes all the difference. Well, how are you thinking? If you think you are not good, you will never be good. If you think you are good for nothing, you will be good for nothing, nothing. I tell you. You can be a child of God, born again. Really, you have really given your life to Christ. But because of your thoughts, because of your mindset, that is what the Bible tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
Allow your mind to be renewed. Start changing your mind. Start changing the way you think about yourself, about others, and about the world, and about God, and about the devil. You need to renew your mind about the devil. So I would think that the devil is so powerful. He's a wild guy. And he has the power of death. Brother, he does not have the power of death even. When you sense death around you, lift up your hand in the name of Jesus. In the authority that you have in Christ and in the name of Jesus. And cast that devil out. And he will go away. And you'll be free. But because you think that only the pastor can do it. Because you think that your faith is not high enough. Jesus said that you have faith as a grain of master seed. And guess what? That grain of master seed faith was given to you free of charge. So now you have that grain of master seed faith. You have it. Every Christian, whether you are born again today, last five years, or last hundred years, we all have that same grain of faith. Jesus said, with that small faith, you can say unto this mountain, be that removed, and be that cast to the sea. And it shall be removed. Can you imagine? With that small faith, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So it's not a matter of strong faith or little faith. It's a matter of thinking. You are not thinking right. You think that this cannot be done. I need more faith for this to be done. If only you would act. You'll be surprised at what you will get. Yeah. I think I've over answered you, isn't it? Beautiful. You have a question. Yeah. Do you, what you like what I'm sharing with you? Are you learning anything? So the six nights of grace have started, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is grace. What I'm telling you about is the grace of God. Okay, Pastor. I've, I've lost my voice. Please, don't worry. Uh, when Jesus Christ took a couple of his disciples to the mountain and they saw Elijah and Moses and then they disappeared and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Yeah, Matthew chapter 19. I am well pleased. Yeah. Hear, hear him. Mm-hmm. Pastor, I want to ask. The voice said we should listen to Jesus. And I was, see, I was confused. Later on in Luke 24, 25, when Jesus Christ met these people on their way to Emmaus, and he said, O fools and of slow of heart, to believe all what the prophets have said, ought not Christ to have suffered, to have suffered and to enter into his glory. Pastor, he said, um, beginning at Moses, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Concerning himself yeah. So, is it is the, is the scripture saying we should forget Moses and the prophets and listen to Jesus, or we should take the two of them? Because when you read uh, Hebrews 10, it says the law was a shadow of the good things to come. So, if the law is a shadow, then we have to leave the shadow. First, I'm confused. The prophets, Moses, are we supposed to combine them with Christ or take Christ alone or leave the two of them? (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. That's a very powerful question. Yeah, beautiful question. All that you said is true. All that you said is true. So he says, this is Hebrews 10, 1. You you ended here. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comments there unto perfect. You need to read everything to understand it very well. Okay? Now, Jesus never said that the Old Testament was nothing. Jesus said that, he says, study the scriptures, for in them you shall know that you have eternal life. Okay? And the scriptures he was referring to was the old. Okay? Huh. Jesus 
the Old Testament, everything in it pointed to one person. His name is called Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament, all that you can read about, points to one person, Jesus Christ. Okay? So when you study the law and the prophets, your aim should be to find Christ in the law and the prophets. That should be your aim. Okay? If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's read 1 Corinthians 10. Let's go to verse 1. <laughs> yeah, because what I want to say, you understand it better if you read the whole thing. Moreover, brethren, I would, not, uh, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's talking about the Old Testament folks, those who were with Moses. Since they all passed through the cloud and they were all whatever. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It has a meaning, but let's go on. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, which is the manna. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So this one lets you know that the rock that they were drinking from was Christ. And did all drink the same, but with many of them, even though they ate the same spiritual meat and drank the same spiritual drink, since with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Next verse. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. So he says the Old Testament is an example for us. How do you get it? If you want to see your spiritual state, you can read the Old Testament and know. Are you becoming more like David or are you becoming more like Solomon? Are you becoming more like Saul or are you becoming more like somebody else? Do you get it? Next verse is now this, neither be ye idolaters as, as were some of them. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. When it came to fornication, three, twenty three thousand people died. <laughs> Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. They are written for our example and for our admonition. So they speak, the Old Testament speaks to us. It speaks concerning Christ and it speaks to us. It's an example for us. So you cannot throw the Old Testament away. Do you get it? The Lord and the prophets witness concerning Christ. And the Lord and the prophets are for the purpose of an example for you and an admonition for you. Romans chapter 13. Look at Romans chapter 13. 15 rather. 15 word. Aha. Uh -huh. Let's read it. For whatever things are, were written aforetime, were written for our learning. He's talking about the Old Testament. So he says, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have what? Hope. So the Old Testament gives you hope. If someone has been through this, all of these things, you read about the three Hebrew boys and now they suffered and all of that, it gives you hope. Maybe you are going through something, but you realize that it cannot be compared to what they went through. Yeah, God brought them out. It gives you hope. Okay? So you cannot throw the Old Testament away. At all, you can't. It speaks concern. I've showed you various things that it does. That the New Testament says it does. It speaks concerning Christ and all of that. It speaks, brings hope to you. It brings you, uh, what? Example. Okay? It, makes, it gives you an example of, the, of what 
you are to avoid and what you are supposed to be. I hope you get it. Uh So the law and the prophets was written for our learning, for us to learn about Christ. Okay, let me show Jesus. Jesus explained things concerning himself from the. I'm wondering where that message can be found. What he taught those two people on their way to Emmaus, because that would have saved us a lot of things. But those people were not smart to document it, so we never got to hear it. Because he expanded everything concerning himself throughout the Old Testament. Do you see? Um, Jesus said some things about the Old Testament, and I want us to just look at it, okay? Matthew, you can't be a good teacher of the word without referring to the Old Testament. And Jesus himself said it. A good scribe, instructed in the way of the kingdom, taketh of the old and the new. Matthew thirteen fifty two. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed, this is Jesus walking on. He was talking about the kingdom of God. He says so many things about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13. Then he said, he came to this and he said, Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man, every teacher of the word, is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Things new and old. He's referring to the Old Testament and then the new. Okay? So if you are instructed to the kingdom of God, you cannot just be in the new. You must be in the old and be in the new and combine them properly for your people. Please, you get it. Then in um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, all scripture, he didn't say New Testament, he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. All scripture includes the Old Testament for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Next verse. So that the man of God may be perfect. So without the Old Testament, the man of God could not be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay? Jesus also said that search the scriptures for they speak of me. John 5 39. John 5 39. Amplified. And then in English, isn't it? You search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me. So the Old Testament clearly testifies about Jesus Christ. Okay? That's typology. I don't know if you know about typology. That's typology. Everything in Abraham is a type of Christ. Isaac is, Abraham is a type of God the Father. Isaac is a type of Christ. Rebecca is a type of the church. Okay? We can get into types. And you see plenty, almost everything. All the kings in the Old Testament represent Christ. From, straight from Genesis, from creation onwards, everything speaks about Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 3, for instance, when Adam sinned, and God came into the garden. What did God say? He said, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. A woman does not have a seed. Right then, then God spoke about Christ. Christ is the seed of the woman. I don't forget it. Yeah. And that sparks the whole of scripture. All that happened after was for the purpose of destroying the seed. The devil wanted to destroy the seed and God wanted to bring the seed. Preserve the seed. And that was it. That is why Satan instigated the falling angels to come and have sexual relations with the, with the daughters of men and produce giants. The purpose was that they would corrupt the bloodline of humanity so that the seed will not come. Are you seeing it? Uh-huh. But only one person and his family were not corrupted. His name was Noah. When the Bible says Noah was perfect, it was actually perfect in flesh. He had not corrupted himself. 
He was the only one who was pure. Everybody else was not pure. So all of them were taken out. Then the new generation started. And even when the new generation started, the devil did it again. What he did the first time, he did it again. That is why they are giants after the flood. Do you see? Before the flood, they were giants. After the flood, they were giants. Goliath was after the flood. They were giants. Uh, King Chedaloma. That's Abraham kills all the giants, even. Uh, you get it. David also killed some. Some of his uh, guys also killed some. So, they were corrupting the blood of man. So God came to Abraham, and Abraham gave himself to God. That I'll make sure. What did God say about Abraham? I knew Abraham. For he, should, he will instruct his children after him. Do you see? God knew. He, he was assured of Abraham. So Abraham's seed became the seed that... So the Christ was not going to come from anywhere in the world, apart from Israel. Because with grace, as far as God was concerned, everybody was corrupted. It was only Israel that was uncorrupted. I don't know if you get it. And the, the, the seed of the woman came from Israel. His name was Jesus. And then everything goes up like that. So you cannot say that you will not... You will not mind the Old Testament. It's not going to work. However, Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. Galatians 6, 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything. Are you in Christ? It says in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything. Circumcision is Jew, the Judaism. Availeth anything. No, all circumcision is the Gentiles. Everything concerning the Gentiles. Availeth anything. But a new creature. Do you see? Next verse. And as many as walk according to this rule, the word rule there is canon. Canon. You understand canon? It's a canon of scriptures. It means a way of, it also means spectacle. I don't know if the Amplified will say it. Let's look at the Amplified. Peace and mercy be on all who walk by this rule. Have you said it? This rule. Which rule? In Christ, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but the new creature. All those who walk according by this rule, who discipline themselves and regulate their lives by this principle. Which principle? The one that he said before this. Okay, go to verse 15, Amplified. For neither is circumcision now of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus the Messiah. That is all that is important. Have you seen it? Next verse. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule. Who discipline themselves and regulate their lives by this principle. Even upon the true Israel of God. The true Israel of God now is a new creation. So what Paul is saying is that when you look into the Old Testament, see with the eyes of the New Testament, the new creation. When you look into the New Testament, see with the eyes of the new creation. I don't know if you get it. Uh-huh. Read the, the word of God with the eye of the new creation. Because you can read the New Testament and read it with the eye of the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says everything that I'm saying right now. Should we read it? Are you tired? You can be preaching in from New Testament, Ephesians, Philippians, or the Bible, preaching letter. And you are not preaching, you are preaching the law, you are not preaching the spirit. Okay? So Let's read from verse, from verse 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency, our ability is of God. Who has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Okay, New Testament. 
Then it says, not of the letter, because the New Testament has letter. But of the spirit. There's a spirit of the New Testament. <laughs> For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So you can be a New Testament preacher. You are preaching a new, but you are an Old Testament, you are a letter preacher. Not a spirit preacher. And you end up destroying many lives. With New Testament scriptures. <laughs> Please you get it. Mm-hmm. So, the new creature is what is most important. So, I would recommend that before you start reading your Old Testament, especially if you, are, you just got born again, read Ephesians, Philippians, catch the new creation properly. Then you can go into the Old and see the references in there for yourself. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So, I don't know if I've answered you. Are you okay? Beautiful. You have another question? You also have a question? You have a question? Pastor, mine is not... It's a question, but I, I was I was reading uh, the manna that the earth in the wilderness. It came from heaven, but Jesus Christ said it didn't come from heaven. So, but I'm confused because because there are different types of heaven. Do you get it? It didn't come from the heaven of heavens. Jesus said, "No man has ever ascended into heaven. Only the Son of God is the one who has come from there." You get it? It was from the firmament. It was from the sky. Okay. It didn't come from like. It didn't come from the heaven of. It didn't come from like God's. God was, like God was cooking and then he is no no. no. <laughs> That's what Jesus was trying to say. So he said, "I am the true bread that comes really from heaven." What your fathers ate, he says, they even died in the wilderness. Uh-huh. It sustained them for a, a short period. You get it. Uh-huh. Yes. So that was what Jesus meant. Yes. It came from the firmament. It didn't come from the heaven of heavens. He is the one who came from the heaven of heavens. Yeah. He says, your fathers did eat the manna, and they died in the wilderness. If they actually ate the bread that is from heaven, they wouldn't have died. Uh-huh. Even that one that was not made from the heaven of heaven sustained them. The Bible says that not even one of them had any sickness in their body. Nobody was bent. Nobody's shoes got old. As they grew older, their shoes became bigger with them. A five-year-old who left, who left Egypt as a five-year-old grew up with his shoes and grew up with his clothing. Yeah, because they, didn't, they weren't sewing in the desert. They didn't, they didn't have anything like that. They weren't, not, none of those things. They walked through the desert for 40 years and were sustained in a heavenly environment for 40 solid years. Yeah. The, not, nope, they didn't have the sun smiting them. In the day, the cloud of God will come over their heads. Do you see? Yeah. And then in the night, when they needed heat, because in the night there's so much, the, the, the desert is so cold, the cloud changed to become a fire. That gave them heat. By morning, when they woke up, there was manna on the floor. When they picked up the manna. So God created an environment for them to walk through for 40 years. And nobody could attack them. They were an exposed group of 3 million people, exposed. Any nation could have attacked them. But no nation could attack them. Because God put their fear on everybody around them. So nobody could attack them. Okay, so God, it was just an environment God created for them. And the manna came from that environment. It didn't come from the heaven of heavens. Okay? Alright. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Um, so my question is on spiritual songs. In Ephesians 5.19, it says, Speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then... Colossians 3.16 kind of explains it as um, teaching and admonishing 
um, basically uh, songs that edify. But I wanted to ask if there's like a, maybe a, a clearer definition for what spiritual, spiritual songs actually are. As spiritual as songs. So Colossians 3, 16, verse 17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name. Next verse, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in, you do in word, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So whatever you are going to do, should give thanks to the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you can be a Christian artist and you are into singing light songs. Advise yourself. I tell you. All, oh yes, all of you should advise yourself. I, I honestly don't know what you want to achieve. I spoke to you, didn't I talk to speak to you? Uh-huh, so I don't know why you still want to go along a certain line. God will remove you one by one like that. No matter how high you are in the system. I tell you. You dear, don't stick to what God is saying. Okay? And what, whatever you bring out will not go anywhere. What lasts? The music that lasts is the music that communicates Christ. That's all. Have you heard of Daughters of Glorious Jesus before? Yeah, they say they are celebrating 30 years. They will go for another 100 years and we will still be listening to their songs. If you are alive. Yeah, because they are so, the content of their song. It's just it's scripture. It's not that I mentioned Jesus' name. Of Jesus, oh by Jesus, oh by Jesus, oh by. That's not. I'm, I don't know if you're like because you say it should be clear. So you put Jesus inside. Jesus Christ, Holy Ghost, Jesus. No, that's what you're talking about. Like communicate. What did I say the last time? To you people, to three one six music, communicating what? In communicating Christ intentionally, communicating the truth. I spoke about truth, the word Christ. Communicating the truth, the truth of God's word. That is spiritual songs. Do you see? Spiritual songs. Songs that are of the Spirit, born from the Holy Spirit. Ah, we say spiritual songs. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit we know. So, where again, which other Spirit are you talking about? Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, whatever you are doing, in word or in deed, should be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You should be giving thanks to God. Okay? And be not drunk with the wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in what? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, these spiritual songs are songs that come as a result of the infilling of the Spirit. They come as a result of the infilling of the Spirit. And as you sing them, you are filled with the Spirit because they came from the Spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. So you have to be smart. Don't just sing songs. And don't just listen to songs. Even if they are from Love Economy Church and they are not communicating spirits, delete it from your system. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. They are from here, but then they are not. They are not bringing God to your mind. They are bringing a lady into your mind. Shift delete. I, I'm telling you. Okay? Yeah. You have to be smart about it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have I answered you? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, man. Have you been blessed? Yeah. Are you glad you came? Yeah. This is our first night of the 
six nights of grace, isn't it? From next week, I'm going to talk about the grace of God into detail. I'll use four weeks to talk about it. Then, the last week, I'm going to do an impartation service. Spiritual impartation service, okay? I'm going to lay hands on everybody. It's going to be a tutujegu type of service. You know tutujegu? A tutujegu type of service. Hallelujah. Yeah. Paul spoke about confirming the saints. So we are going to lay hands on everybody to confirm you to the glory of God. It's been a while. We don't just do it. When I'm prompted and I do it, I don't just do it. I don't do it every Friday. I do it when God tells me to do it. So that I can, it cannot, it will, it will have its significance. Okay? Yes. Please, reading um, Job chapter 1 from verse 6, it, it says like God calls his angels and then the devil joins them. Yeah. And then it's like they communicate in some way, like in a strange like way. Like their friends be like yes. that. And even God even asks Satan, the devil whether. Have you considered my servant Job? Yes. He's like, very good. I want to really what, what do you think about him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know the, the relationship between like God and the devil. Like, I, I want to know. I just want to know. All right. So, Job, are they friends? Job is the first book of the Bible, actually. It's the first documented book. Okay. So, Job is very is highly ancient. It's very old. Okay. And the book of Job uh, was written before Christ came. Now, before Christ came, Satan had the power. It says that, and now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. Now, how did Satan come? Satan got there because he had the power of Adam. Okay? When Adam sinned, he gave his authority as a son of God to Satan. So Adam had a place in these meetings. And Adam yielded that place to Satan. So Satan had every legal right to be here. And he came. He showed up. Because he was carrying the power. Look at, go to uh, Luke chapter 4. You see it there. Do you love the Bible? Are you surprised that every question has an answer in the scriptures? So when, when uh, Satan came to tempt Jesus in Luke, Luke chapter 4, from verse 5, Luke 4, 5, and the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto Jesus, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. He says, it is delivered unto me. If he was lying, Jesus would have said, liar. You were a liar from the pit of hell. I cast you out now. Jesus didn't say anything. Jesus responded in a different way. Do you get it? This is the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to come and take this power and this glory and this ability from him. And the devil was setting it in front of him on a silver platter. Jesus knew better. I don't know if you get it. So he says, it has been delivered unto me. The devil has always been, since Adam gave that authority to him, he's always been the God of this world. Okay? And he was not, Adam did not just have authority here on earth. He had authority there in heaven as well. To represent there in heaven. Whenever God calls for meetings like that. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. So he was there with that authority. And because he was there with that authority, 
he could say some things and God responded to him. Okay? Yeah. I don't, know if, I don't know if I've answered you. But now it is not like that any longer. This script, that scripture is not true any longer. Right now, Jesus has the power. Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. I was in the spirit in the last day and heard behind me a great voice as, as of a trumpet. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in the book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, my smina, blah blah. Next verse, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and I and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, that Jesus, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and get about the past with a golden ghetto. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were like were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Next verse. And his feet like unto, the, unto fine brass. He's describing Jesus now, how Jesus looks now. As if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Next verse. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. So Jesus now has the keys of hell. Initially, it was the devil who had it. He could destroy at will. But now he can't destroy at will. If we prevent him, he'll be prevented. Because what authority, the authority that Jesus got, he gave to us. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven is given unto me. Therefore, go on the basis of this authority. Go. I hope you get it. So that authority that Satan had has been taken from him. He now has access. Um, the earth has a lease on it. You know lease. Have you bought a land before? There's a 99 years lease on every land in the country. Now, if that is from the, from the chiefs, if you buy the land straight from the chiefs, you have 99 years. If you buy it from somebody who has kept it for 50 years and you go and buy it, you have 49 years. After 49 years, the chiefs can come and the land reverts back to the chiefs. So there are lands in Accra that are being sold now that has 20-year lease, actually. And the people don't know. They buy it 20 years later, the Ghana chiefs will come. Over an Eminta or Ishikon. They'll come and tell you they are looking for their end. You have to pay the land again. Okay? So the same thing applies to this whole earth. The spiritual aspect of this earth. This earth also has a lease. Now, when Adam gave this, the keys of the earth and, and his place in heaven to the devil, it included the lease on the land, on the earth. So, even though Christ has beaten the devil and has taken away the power of uh, hell and death from him, and now has back that place that he had in heaven. So, the place that Adam had in heaven that he gave to Satan, Jesus has now. So, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, look at Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Next verse. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, or how shall he not with him also? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemned? That is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who is also make who also make intercession for us? So that place that he had, Jesus is now occupying. 
Do you get it? Uh-huh. Jesus has the right hand of God, which is, when we say right hand, it doesn't mean that he's sitting at the right hand side of God. Right hand is a place of authority. When we say right hand, we mean a place of authority. So Jesus is occupying that place of authority. And that place of authority he's occupying, he's not occupying it to talk against us. He's there talking for us. He's making intercession for us. It's called the present day ministry of Jesus Christ. He has, he has an intercession ministry for you and I. He intercedes on our behalf. Can you imagine? Initially, Satan was there accusing. The accuser of the brethren. Now, he is not there anymore. He only he can accuse you from here on earth. And even though God does not hear him. God does not have his ear any longer. Do you understand? Uh-huh. But there's a lease on the earth. So, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, you see it. Look at Ephesians 2, and it says, And you as he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, Who were in time, but you walked according to the course of this world. Then it says, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He has some power in the air. That's why he can contaminate the air. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You enter into some places and you notice that the place is different. It's like, hey. You go to some places in this, in, in this world, even in this country, and you have a certain strong... Like, you can't do some things. You can't pray. You can't do some things. Hey. It's not easy. Yeah, there are influences. There are principalities and powers in heavenly places. When you say heavenly places, like I said, there's the heaven of heavens. He's talking about the, the heaven of this earth. Okay, the heaven of the set has some principalities and powers occupying that place, evil spirits of occupying that place that has influence in different areas. Okay, they cause wars, they influence human beings to go for war, they influence human beings to do evil things. And it's a cause, it says, For any time, as you walk according to the course of this world, it's a cause, it's like a river flowing, and it carries you, a river flowing carries everything on its way. Is it true? Uh-huh. And he's the prince of the pound there that is in charge of it. Then in Second Corinthians chapter four verse three, Paul said, "If our gospel be hid, it is a hit to them." Second Corinthians four this is, "But if our gospel be hid, it is a hit to them that are lost." Why are they lost? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So the devil, okay, even though Jesus has taken everything away from him, he has a lease on the earth. And because he has a lease on the earth, he's able to blind people, create atmospheres for certain things to happen, and destroy people's lives. But he doesn't have that place in heaven anymore. And these two places he has, we have authority to dislodge him, to dislodge him at will. So there's no place in the world that the church cannot work. The church can work everywhere in the world. If only the people who are there know the authority and use the authority, they can have the free way to do what they are supposed to do. Yeah. Have you seen it? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the, glory, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, next verse, verse 5. You can let that glorious gospel shine unto them. For then it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. So the light of God's glorious gospel can shine in your heart and change someone's life. And dispel all the darkness to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Have you seen it? Yeah. Then he says, uh, next verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This treasure of the light, the glorious light of God's gospel is in us who are vessels. So that's it. Okay. So all the floods 
the tornadoes and the hurricanes that you see are not caused by God. There are special principalities and powers that are in charge of certain places who are into tornadoes. The one in Ghana is not in charge of that. If he was in charge, he would, all be, would have sunk by now. He is in charge of, his, his specialty is giving you bad political leaders. I don't know if you understand. Uh -huh. yeah. Bad political leaders who are into blood sucking. Yeah, and into poverty. They specialize, he specializes in poverty and keeping you on a certain level. Yeah. But out there, outside the country, they don't have that. They used to have that, but the principality has changed. <laughs> I'm just joking. The gospel there has shined and has made a lot of things change. Okay? And has affected their leaders. Hallelujah. <laughs> So we must make the gospel so shine strong in Africa and we'll have the leeway to do what we are supposed to do. If you go to Nigeria, if you go to Lagos, for instance, you may not see any construction happening anywhere. But when you enter Canaan land, you will see construction happening. The demon there is into no construction. No, no construction. Am I lying, John? Am I lying? The portal are bathtubs. You can pour a tie in and lie inside. Everything will be fine. And it is not being done. Everything is bad. Yeah. But in the places where the gospel has prevailed, they have preached the gospel, they can do some things. Yeah. I hope you get it. So the devil is in charge of all those things. Atorentem. Have you heard of Atorentem before? What is Atorentem? Natural disasters. That's when it happens, people say, Oh, oh, why did God? God is not involved. Please, he's sleeping somewhere. The God of this world is in charge of those things. Yeah. Luke, Luke chapter 13 will show you. Luke 13 from verse 1. A very serious natural occurrence. They were in a building. Some people were in a building. 18 people were in a building. And then it collapsed on them. And they all died. Some people also offering sacrifices. Herod sent and killed all of them. They mistook them for something and killed all of them. Jesus said that if you don't repent, all of you shall die likewise. The devil is interested in bringing the flood and doing some things and killing his he hates humanity he doesn't like anybody he hates everybody he wishes that all of us will be destroyed at once yeah hallelujah have i answered your question so that does not happen again when you read job don't think about now let it instruct you to know that even if you lose everything god will restore you a hundredfold in jesus name amen god bless you for listening we pray that the Word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the Word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.